You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi. My name is Tanya Pinkins, and you're listening to You Can't Say That on the Broadway Podcast Network. We are deep into 2020 and a global pandemic. It's been a long time since I recorded. I am in Seoul, Korea, where in a population of 50 million people, they've only had 413 deaths. That's because everybody here wears masks everywhere all the time. Masks save lives. So today, I'm very excited to welcome a guest who I have been a fan of ever since I read her debut novel, which spent six weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list, and it was Oprah Winfrey's pick for the launch of the Oprah Book Club 2.0. This is one of the finest pieces of literary fiction that I've ever read. I counted alongside my love of Gabriel Garcia Marquez's 100 Years of Solitude, and the name of the book is Ruby, and join me in welcoming my guest, the author of Ruby, Cynthia Bond. Hey, Cynthia. How are you? Hey, Tanya. I'm good. I'm good. So let's, you know, I know we're here for, to have a conversation about, uh, some specific things, but let's talk a little bit about Ruby for those who have not read Ruby. Um, I love the way you use language, um, the way you make trees talk and the land talk. And have you always uh, had this gift for language? Were you a great student in school? Um, I was, uh, I, I love to write. And I love to write from just my earliest memories. I was uh, my my first sort of award winning uh, uh, story was called um, Arnold W. Guinea Pig, and it was the life of uh, the life and the struggles and the death of our wonderful guinea pig Arnold. So, so how old were you? I was in the fifth grade. And I won something, I don't know what. And we were the only black kids at that school. And my dad taught 
um, speech and uh, Shakespearean literature at KU. So believe me, he had me going over and over and over that story before I read it out loud for everyone. But I wrote it. And I, yeah, that was... KU, what's KU? Where's that? Oh, that's Kansas University. It's in Lawrence, Kansas. The J. Halkins. So it sounds like you moved a lot because I read online that you were born in Texas. You live in L.A. Where'd you go in between? Well, uh, born in Texas and my dad taught at Prairie View A&M and my mom was a student and he taught Shakespeare there and English. And then he was uh, one of the first black uh, professors they invited to KU, Kansas University. So when I was about six, we moved there. And uh, I got to meet amazing people. Uh, Maya Angelou came, uh, Nikki Giovanni, my cousin Julian Bond. All of these people came and he got to meet them because he was one of the, you know, few black guys there. So it was wonderful. And then they divorced and uh, we hit a bunch of other spots, but we landed in Kansas City. And then I went to school in Chicago and ran away from Chicago <laughs> and lived in New York for about seven years, which I love. Actress in a horror film. Uh, I, oh, Jeff God, Lord. Please just say what you're going to say. <laughs> so, you know, I was really excited when I learned that Ruby started off as a 900-page novel and that your editors decided to make it into three novels. So when do we get book two? Okay. So I will answer that, but I will go back and just say, yes, I was an actress. Yes. I was in that very disturbing horror movie, but I worked in New York. I did a lot of stage work in New York and worked with Negro Ensemble Company and Charles Fuller. And then, came out here and did Shakespeare festival and some interesting television, but book two, uh, I have been working on it. You know, it's that sophomore, that really difficult sophomore, um, challenge. And so I've been working on it. It's more than one year late. Uh, we don't need to say how many, um, but, I will turn it in in March and it will be out in 2022. Now, if you'd already written 900 pages, how could it be late? Hadn't you already written it? So what, what, what's, no, it. because, because basically I had written an entire arc. There was a, you know, it page 500 was one of the major climaxes of the book. So there were a lot of things in book one that I had to, it's almost as if I had constructed this spider web and I had to pull little things out of it and reweave it to create book one. So book two has become, it is not what it was. It's much bigger. It's much more expansive. In my book, there's this interesting kind of, uh, she's a shapeshifter, so she connects with nature. There's a lot of personification. But in book two, that expands even more so that she's shapeshifting, not just with nature, but also with time, with some other elements. So it's really, in a way, I'm so glad that I had to 
split it up. I mean, there will always be a part of me that regrets that it wasn't the book I planned initially. So there's always a sacrifice. But this book, what it's allowed me to do is, as I've grown, my character has grown and my book has grown. Because before, when I wrote Ruby, I had never been to Paris. I'd been Mm -hmm. to France, but I'd never been to Paris. And so uh, with Ruby coming out, I was in Paris twice. I was, uh, you know, invited to a couple of really amazing festivals and I'd never been. So now there's this whole in book two, this uh, Black Cafe Society is in book two because I sat in that cafe where, you know, so it's as you grow, as you learn, as you grow wiser, so does your, so does your work. And you uh, are a writing teacher and Mm -hmm. I have the privilege of being one of your writing students. I'm a new student of yours this year. And you're amazing. If I can just say that, I don't know if that's okay. (laughs) Um, So, you know, tell us about what, you do in your, your writing? Like, what is it your sort of mission as a teacher to uh, help students with? Okay. So when I first started teaching, I worked primarily with at-risk youth. So I worked with homeless youth at the LA Gay and Lesbian Center, and I worked with these kids on the street. And it was all about getting them to define their lives and the way they define their lives. And they basically created a parameter. Who am I? Because so many of these kids were thrown out of their homes. They were cast aside, um, abused, came to LA, got on drugs. And we would, and the only way, a point of the main point of contact for so many of them was that I was giving away free journals. So my mission now is my mission then. And what that mission is and has always been is to tell, help people to tell their stories and recognize that that art of creation and the ability to create is is it truly defeats any horrific thing that is happening because you are, it's almost, and I've said this so many times, it is as if you have a spindle and all of just the shit and the horrible things that have happened in your life are like straw, just trampled straw on the ground of this cell And so you take that straw and you put it through this spindle and not only do you transform it, you transform the story within yourself, but I also think that's how you get out of the cell. That's how you find freedom. And so that's, and now, especially I, you know, I have the class and it is so important to have everyone's voice heard. I also just in my heart have a really important, place and space for black women and black women's words and black women writing their truth. Um, These are voices that have to be like, if you had a huge gong, it would just be, they need to ring or a bell, a clarion bell. That is. I just wrote an essay about that the other day, how uh, ignored the black woman's voices and how in my most recent story, Red Pill, the movie, 
um, black women who experience it totally get it. And yet, you know, non-black women tend to, to find it like, that's not interesting. Or why are we talking about that or cut that? Or, and it's like, oh, you know, you talk about diversity and inclusion, but actually it's really, you just want your voice with somebody else's skin on it. You know, it's like right. everything out because when I present it to you the way it is, it's my voice. It's how I see the world. Uh, people have to learn to step into somebody else's voice right. rather than choose to call it wrong or that's not correct or you're seeing wrong. Yeah. No, that's how I see. Now you can come and see what I see. <laughs> I know that is the thing. It is this, and and really this idea, what Toni Morrison talked about, the white gaze. What I didn't realize how strong it's as if, and I talk about this when I teach, there's this little, there is this person on your shoulder, but who is that person? And as a black woman, not only is it, you know, I've got a little committee there. It's the white man. It's a white woman. It is black men, all these, and family, you know, you don't want to embarrass the family. Don't want to shame your people. And so it is, writing, you have to write past those people and write and find a way to tell your truth. But, oh my Lord, it is hard. And the thing that's really hard, and this is the biggest thing to overcome, is it's not just that there's a lack of understanding of this perspective, but a sense that there's no need to go and learn. There's there. What is the point? And um, and that is, um, boy, that's the main thing you have to do is know what the point is for yourself, because you can never change what's going on out there. But if you can unlearn all of those lies that are programmed in as a black woman, I can just speak for myself. I have had so many lies. I was programmed in so many ways. What, what and, are the lies or ways you were programmed? Oh my Lord. Well, first sex, you know, I mean, early it's, you know, as a young black woman and also just dealing with abuse issues, but, um, but you know, I was, I was defined by how sexy I could be. I was a black woman. So I would date a lot of, there were white men I would date. And I, I knew the, the kind of, it's almost like, yeah, you're going to be the, I'll just, I don't know, but you know, just the hot black chick with the, the arm candy. I, I definitely had that as a young woman. You're the arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, but there's something sexual and wild. You're animalistic. You're a black woman, you know? And so mm -hmm. it's, and that, so the sex part was, um, it, you know, it is still, I mean, now that I'm older, I, you know, I got me some COVID gray going and I'm like, it's good to be free of some of that, mm. but that was, and, and really over and over. And I found this when my book came out as well. Um, and I don't remember what publication this was in, but, you know, as a writer, 
I am very left brain and very right brain. And I really do a lot of planning. It's almost as if there's a loom and you have to build the loom for me, which is an outline, which can change and shift. But that, and the story that those are the threads that are woven through that, that loom. Well, what happened when I was, um, when I was being interviewed after the book came out, I had someone ask me about, and this happened a lot. They asked me about my process and I told them about my process. There was a very spiritual, intuitive, like ancestor connected part of my writing. There's also a very, you know, meticulous planning these arcs, this loom, no one ever wanted to hear about that side of it. It was always, oh, the spiritual, emotional, the ghosts, the this. That's real. Exoticizing you. Tell yes. Me, tell us about the looming process. Okay. So, you know, there are a lot of, but I just want to, I want to say that, but I, I will say that. But what I want to say is there was one particular article that came out and I, I told people a lot of specifics about my mother, who was a college president, a community college president, chancellor, has won awards from everywhere, really seminal work. And I told the story about how she had little scars on her body. And that's how we, from growing up on the farm, guess what was in there? Nothing about my mom, you know, who's a world traveler. She's just, you know, this stunning, sophisticated, amazing woman. No, instead, it was all about East Texas. And my mother was this woman with a bunch of scars. <laughs> and I and I just gleaned stories. And there was just this woman sitting there with scars. Everywhere. I'm, but that was the picture. And the rest of it the craft, the artistry. So back to the loom. Um, there are many story structures and many people after the fact look at a particular structure and say, oh, that's what that structure is. Um, I believe that a story, you know, there's the braided story is one of the arcs, you know, where you have three characters and you're, or more, and you're going between each character's lives and you sort of braid that together. But for me, I really think that it is a loom. I, I really have so many different um, colors that I, that, come from different directions and create patterns. And that is, you know, each character is its own color. It, some, some characters are only just a few little threads, but they are important to creating this whole um, tapestry. And that is what, that is how I, I also have another structure that I've believed that I've not heard of. And it's a North star story structure. And it is, it is the, it is the slave who longs for freedom. It is the slave who is the imprisoned person who every step, regardless of how often they're thwarted, every single step 
is a step towards freedom and a step towards uh, towards being able to put their feet on free soil. And even there's something that James Baldwin has um, in The Fire Next Time, and he talks about basically this um, sense of um, when you survive the worst, you have this sense of uh, uh, you can define oneself, one can find oneself. And the idea that whether you live or die, you are still headed to freedom. Mm. Whether you live or die, and the minute you stop searching, the minute you stop looking for it, even if you're alive, you're dead. Mm. And so if you continue on, if you are alive, you are you are still heading towards the North Star. And many people in my stories are dead. <laughs> you know, they die and they continue on. It, it, the quest for freedom remains. So death is not the end. Death is not the impediment to finding release and freedom. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I've been reading about fairies. Um, I'm reading uh, Robin Artisan, her book Ankara Gwen, and uh, talking about what's called the breath soul and there's a, the body soul and these different souls that can go and inhabit plants or can go and inhabit birds and animals. And, um, you know, when you talk about the uh, personification of, of everything in life, uh, I can so relate to that because I, I do believe that even rocks are sentient beings. I believe that completely. And do you find, because I find sometimes that being in connection with the world in that way, I often, I don't think that I'm like a fortune teller or anything like that, but it's like, I can see, I can see where the world is going. I can just see it. It's there. The, the pattern is there. Uh, you know, in my movie, Red Pill, I wrote about things that came to pass this year. Do you have that? Yes. And you know who else really has that? And you'll have her on is Chico. Mm. Chico Omoale, uh, supporting her uh, as a, you know, fellow writer and uh, coach. And um, 
I mean, that whole thing, it's happened already. It's like, okay, well, it's <laughs> nobody's going to believe that. Um, I do. I think, um, I don't, I think that's more in my uh, personal life. My writing life, um, in my personal life, uh, and this is, again, you know, you don't always want to talk about this because it's like, oh, the black woman, all seeing fortune teller, knowing, you know, all of that. But there's a reality to being, I mean, to me, it's just very clear. Do you believe all things are living or do you believe all things are dead? You know, uh, do you believe all life has value or do you believe that it does not? And that is really the question because people who are able to rape the land, can rape a woman, can commit genocide, can commit all of these acts, life, there is, life does not exist. There is not a vibrancy. There is not a a true value of life. Mm. And it may seem a bit simplistic, but to me, it's just, so I, as I get older, I become deeper and deeper and more connected to, to all things being living. I mean, I have people write about, I took a really wonderful workshop with um, Lydia Yankovic and uh, in it, there was a student who wrote an entire, an entire story of the life of this woman from the perspective of the blue dress. Mm. It was brilliant. I wish I remembered her name, but it just a brilliant, brilliant story. This table, you know, that I have this, this table I've been writing on, I've been writing on this table forever. This table has got some stories to tell. Yes. This table has, has, taken me and my tears it has it it had a life before it came to me this table has stories mm, i thought you know um, paris and, that if paris if all those buildings in paris could talk the stories they could tell the things yeah and the people uh, yes i definitely feel everything's alive now I want to get to some politics and get to, you know, one of the main reasons we came to talk is like QAnon, you know, there's this whole theory going on in the world now that the the deep state, which is particularly the liberal West people are this mm -hmm. big pedophile sex trafficking ring. And um, in my story and in your story, there are these cults. And, um, you know, so I have a fascination with cults, cults in Ruby Um but what I have learned and know about cults is politics has nothing to do with cults. <laughs> oh. Right. Yeah. People in a cult there, it's not like they're about they, the political thing is, has nothing to do with the cult. Mm -mm. It's all about power and it's just power. And we were talking about this thing of a uh, chaos battle magic, Satan, Saturn battle magic, and the fact that people who practice these forms of magic, there's always a price to pay for what you want. And often children who are innocents, um, the blood, the sacrifice, the use of sexual energy, bodily fluids are, are part of that. And that's in the story of Ruby. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. And, you know, 
there are a lot of different um, there are a lot of different people that I've connected with and a lot of different things that I've you know I've really tried to understand and one of the things is how uh, this idea of how is child prostitution connected to satanic worship and I remember speaking to um, a really amazing therapist uh, and um, I interviewed her I spoke to her for hours and hours and hours and she said basically child prostitution is like the bake sale of you know it's yeah it's it's this is how this is a, a money earning this allows a lot of money to come into the cult. And, you know, the thing about cults and the thing about discussing them is um, it, it can be a, a bit of a dangerous uh, little road to talk about. Uh, there are a lot of people who have uh, survived uh, some of these things and they have spoken and they are no longer with us. Um, I believe for me, and I'm, you know, I, I went to journalism school. I, I sat down at an old fashioned typewriter. I'm going to date myself and banged out stories and loved, loved, loved journalism school, but I could never, never. And I've written essays and had them published and, stories and some articles, but really I'm a horrible journalist because the factual truth and the emotional truth, it's hard sometimes to marry those two, which is why I love fiction. But in fiction, you can write about anything. You can, you can, you can have a cult that's connected to the KKK. You can have a cult that's connected to the black community. You can have uh, both of those interacting and having a way of, of connecting. You can write about the truth as a fiction writer in a way that you never can. Um, well, I'm sorry for those who write nonfiction. <laughs> I'll just say for me, I could never write the truth of all of the things that I've learned and gleaned and gathered along the way in the way that I, I can with, uh, with, with fiction. It is, but yes, you're absolutely right. Hi, my name is Tanya Pinkins and you're listening to You Can't Say That. That was part one of my conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Cynthia Bond, author of Ruby. Come back for part two. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E 
lucylandslots.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.